You may be seated. And today I'm going to start a series called He's Waiting for You. He's Waiting for You. You know, many of us came here today hoping for some positive change in some area of our lives. And maybe we want better relationships with our family and friends. Maybe uh, we like to have better health. Maybe we're, uh, you know, we're in debt. We, write, we like to be financially free. There's so many areas that I'm sure that uh, many of us are thinking about, so many things that many of us are dealing with. And the truth of the matter is that sometimes when we look at these particular areas of our lives, change is difficult. It's hard to get to where I really want things to get to. Sometimes it's even impossible. I mean, maybe you had a big fight with your family members, and that's why things aren't right. Maybe you're head over heels in debt, and that's why you, you need financial freedom. Maybe the doctors told you you have an incurable disease. Maybe that's why, you know, when you, you think about this problem, this area, you're kind of hopeless. And you know what the truth is? If you're going to have the kind of change that you want to have, change that sticks, you're going to have to get beyond trying to do things yourself. We're going to have to get beyond just trying to do things in our own ability. We've got to tap into something greater. We need the supernatural in our lives. When it's all said and done, we need God. So I want to read to you from James chapter 4 and verse 7 and 8. And of course, we're going to put the scriptures on the screen for you. If you happen to have a Bible with you in your hand or on your phone, then you can, of course, follow along there as well. It reads, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Well, notice something very interesting about these scriptures. You can find in these scriptures the devil, you, and God. And God tells you, resist the devil, which means that you can resist him, and come close to God, which means that you also can come close to God. You can come close to God right now. In fact, God wants you to come closer to him. That's why this scripture is in the Bible. You're actually as close to God today as you've chosen to be. If you really think about it, your whole life there's been a dance going on where you got decided to get close to God and he got close to you or you decided to kind of pull away from God and so he was farther away from you. Your whole life there's been this, this dance going on where you really are determining how close you are to God. And really this is why some people are closer to God than others because some people chose to get closer to God and other ones, others did not. Let's say this another way. God can do more in your life than he's doing right now. Because that's determined by how close you are to him. And that's what the scripture is telling you. If you if it says here, come close to God and God will come close to you. As I was studying this a while ago, I really started thinking, what does it look like when God comes close to you? I mean, God's saying like a game of checkers, you take a move towards him, he's going to take a move towards you. Or many of us have seen TV shows or movies where, you know, there's two people, two lovers on the beach, and one is running, 
and the other one is running towards them, you know, and finally the music crescendos and they hug each other. Well, this is what it's telling us. If you run to God, God's not going to ghost you. Like, forget them. No, he's running towards you, man. What happens when you guys actually embrace something supernatural? Something I like to call a faith experience. A moment in time when you experience the God of the Bible in a supernatural way. A moment where it seems like you've come face to face with God. There's a scripture in Hosea chapter 12 talking about Jacob, and it it describes one of his faith experiences by simply saying, there at Bethel he met God face to face, and God spoke to him. And that's really what happens when we have faith experiences. When God comes close to us, when we experience him in a supernatural way, you know, it's it's an earth-shattering thing. It's a life-changing thing. I was reading yesterday about what happens if the moon gets a little closer to the earth than it is. And what I read was that it causes huge tidal waves. And if the moon were to get close enough, it would cause tidal waves big enough to actually flood major cities like Chicago and New York. But what happens when God gets closer to you? You get the type of tidal waves you want to have. You get God doing some amazing things in your life. And that's what he wants. That's why he wants you to come close to him. In fact, let's look at some people in the Bible who did this. I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 12 and verse 7. This is the story of Abraham. And, of course, uh, many people know Abraham's story. Some people don't. But he was just a guy who was just living his life. He was literally a moon worshiper. And one day God spoke to him and told him, leave your family, leave your kindred, leave your country, and go to a land I will tell you about. And then he told him, if you'll just go to this land, in this land I'll bless you. In this land, I'll make you a great nation. In this land, you know, you'll be a blessing. Through you, I'll touch the whole world when you go to this land. And so Abraham didn't obey God right away. You know, most of us don't. Usually it takes us a little while. But he finally did what God said. And so he finally got into the land. And in verse 7, it reads this way. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. Notice that once Abram got to this land, God gave him some new information. God appeared to him. And if you look at Abraham's story, you'll see this happen repeatedly. God just showed up and started talking to him. And it had to be unnerving. You know, you're just kind of walking down the street, you know, and talking to somebody and God shows up. <laughs> Starts talking to you and telling you, leave everybody. And, and in this case, You know, God had told him, if you leave, I'm going to bless you in this land. I'm going to do all these great things. But then we get to verse 7, and God says, here's some more information for you. He shows up and says, I've got some more insight for you. Not only did I want you to come to this land, but I'm actually going to give this land to you and all of your descendants. So Abram, Abram at, at this time, later on we know him as Abraham, he had a faith experience And in that moment that he experienced God in a supernatural way, God gave him fresh insight concerning his life and his futures, his futures. Well, also, you can see this with his grandson in Genesis 28. In verse 12, we read the story of Jacob. And Jacob was in a rough, rough spot in his life. He'd done some things, maybe not in the best way, and his brother had decided he was going to kill him. And not like our our siblings said they were going to kill us, but like he was really going to kill him. So his mama said, you need to go to my brother 
in another country. So he's out here. He's just traveling. He, he's out in the desert. It's nighttime. He grabs a rock. He puts it under his head. He goes to sleep. And then he has a faith experience. Verse 12 says, as he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. And at the top of the stairway stood the Lord. I mean, all of a sudden, this isn't just a normal dream. God is there in the middle of his dream. Of course, God told him some things, actually the same things that God had told Abraham. But if you jump down to verse 15, God said this to him. What's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day, I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. So God gives him fresh insight. Hey, I know you're leaving. I know you're running, but I'm going to take care of you, and one day I'm bringing you back here. And I'm sure at that moment, Jacob was thinking, this is it. I can't come home. And God is saying, no, one day I'll bring you back home. And of course, the Bible says Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than a house of God, the very gateway to heaven. So he wakes up and he's afraid. He's like, man, God is here. He's like, man, I just stepped into, you know, the gates to heaven. I, I, when I grew up, I used to love, you know, Star Wars. And if you've not seen it by now, you have 40 years. Don't get mad at me for spoiling it for you. But, you know, Star Wars is very well known for its revelations. For example, in the second movie, Darth Vader says to Luke, I am your father. You know, and everybody's like, oh, my goodness. And, and then the next one, and, and see, somebody mad at me now, like, I didn't know that. Well, that's your fault, man. I mean... So in the next movie, you know, his, his mentor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, comes to him as a force ghost. We know ghosts don't exist, but it's a movie. And he, he reveals to him something else. He says, you know, Leia, that's your sister. And he's like, man, that's my sister. And then that ends up playing a role in what happens later in the movie. Well, this is God showing up to Jacob and saying, I got some information for you. I'm bringing you back. You're going to be back in this land. And everything I promised you... I'm going to bring it to pass. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I took that for myself. I said, everything God promised me, God's going to bring it to pass. And you know what? I'm sitting here on 9918 at FX Church looking at what God promised me coming to pass. Glory to God. This happened as a result of a faith experience. Jacob kind of came face to face with God, and God revealed some things to him, gave him some insight about his life. Let's look at Moses. Go to Exodus chapter 3, if you would. We're going to put that on the screen. But in Exodus chapter 3, we read about Moses. And if you know Moses' story, you, you know he has a unique story. He started off as a boy who should have been killed, but his parents uh, found a way to, to save his life, and he ended up being the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And so he grew up in Pharaoh's household. He grew up a prince, but eventually he decided he did not like to see his people enslaved. So he decided he was going to do something about it, killed a man, and then had to run for his life. So he goes from being a prince to being a fugitive. And here he is on the backside of the desert now watching another man's sheep. And we get to verse 2, and it says, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. And Moses stared in amazement. 
Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Now right here, I have to say Moses is better than I am. You know, one of the things I do with my daughters, one of my daughters plays volleyball. So even yesterday we were outside playing volleyball, just trying to help her get better. And, you know, and, and, and in front of our house are a number of bushes, just like many people's homes. And sometimes the ball goes in the bushes. I'm sorry, honey, I didn't tell you about that. But anyway, I don't know my wife to be upset with me. But so sometimes the ball goes in the bushes. And I can't imagine, you know, going to go get a ball out of the bush and the bush talks to me. Andre, Andre. And I can guarantee you that if a bush starts talking to me, I'm not going to say, here I am. Y'all going to be like, where did he go? But Moses says, here I am. And he doesn't even really know what's going on yet. We know that because a little later on, he realizes this is God. And he actually hides his face because he doesn't want to see the face of God because he believes if he does that, he'll die. And finally, if you were to keep reading the story, won't read all of it. God says to him, now go for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. God is saying that, hey, I'm tired of my people being slaves. I'm sending you to be the deliverer. Your job is to get them out. Well, man, Moses a minute ago was just taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. Now God is saying, I'm making you the leader of millions. He had a faith experience, and it changed the entire direction of his life. And not only the direction of his life, but the direction of an entire nation. In Acts chapter 13, we read about two individuals, Paul and Barnabas. And this, of course, is in the New Testament. And they had been serving in a church, you know, like this one. And they'd just been helping out. And they came together in a small group with four or three other guys. And they're just worshiping God and praising God. And right in the middle of that, God shows up, man. He, they have a faith experience. And the Holy Ghost says, it's time for Paul and Barnabas to go do the work I already told them to do. And in that moment, everybody realized that God was sending them on a new direction. God was sending them to do a new mission. And when they did that, they impacted the whole known world. But it all started with a faith experience. One more, Mark chapter 5. Y'all getting this? I'm going somewhere with it. Mark chapter 5. We're going to read verse 2 and this is the story of a man who was possessed, the Bible says, with a legion of demon spirits. A legion, of course, depending on who you talk to, what study you look at, that could be 666 demon spirits or 6,666 demon spirits. And so Jesus, of course, was in a boat. He arrives on the shore. And verse 2 says, when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue, subdue him. So this guy had what we would call demonic strength. He was possessed with demon spirits, and sometimes what happens when that happens is that somebody, they get demonic strength. There's a story in the Bible where there was a man who, who was possessed with a demon spirit, and there's these guys who were basically fakers. They, they were trying to act like they were spiritual. And so they decided they were going to cast the demon out of this man. The Bible calls him the seven sons of Sceva. 
So they said, come out of this man in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. And that's the problem when you got to say, Jesus who somebody else preaches, you in trouble. And the Bible said that man said, Jesus I know. The demon said this really, Paul I know. But who are you? And that one man wrecked all seven of them. The Bible said they ran out naked and everything. So, you know, it's possible that when someone's possessed with a demon spirit, they end up with this demonic strength. And in this case, this man, they had put chains on him. They had put fetters on him. Now, fetters are far thicker than handcuffs. If someone were to put handcuffs on you, I don't care how big and strong you are, you probably aren't breaking at all. But fetters, back then, those were real thick metal, you know, instruments. And this man is breaking all that off. See, they're trying to tame this man. They're trying to, today we would say they're trying to commit this man. Right? He's, he's insane. But they can't do anything with him. No natural means can help this man. And some of us might be thinking about that today about our lives. You're looking at your situation and you're saying, there's really nothing that can be done to help me. But then Jesus showed up. You keep reading here, the Bible says, day and night he wandered among the burial caves and the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. That's how, how bad things were for him. He lived among the tombs in the graveyard and he run, every day he's, he's crying out, he's howling loud, he's cutting himself. How many scars does this guy have? This is what Satan does to people. It torments you. You might seem to have some fun for a while, but all that is is just bait to get you to a place where you're sitting in a room somewhere howling because of what's happened in your life. Or you're cutting yourself. That's what's going on. You see so many people today cutting themselves. That's Satan trying to get them to kill themselves. But then Jesus showed up here. The Bible says, when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him and ran to meet him and bowed low before him. Of course, if you were to keep reading the story, Jesus then, of course, told the demon to come out the man. And, you know, Jesus realized it was a legion of demon spirits and the demons made a request and Jesus said, fine, you can go on the pigs, and the pigs all died. And Bottom line is that, you know, a miracle happens. This man runs into Jesus, and when he meets Jesus, Jesus sets him free. So much so that everybody in the town comes, they hear about this, they come running out to see what's going on. And the next scripture reads, a crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. And he was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. This man who they could not, they were ready to commit and they couldn't even do it, is now sitting here clothed and sane. Jesus had completely set him free. His faith experience made him free. It delivered him. And if you look at Jesus' life, of course, you notice that a lot of people had those kind of experiences with him. They, you know, a man walked up to him, but before they knew it, it was the presence, the power of God was there, and they were getting healed, they were being delivered, they were being set free in some way or another. And in fact, even Jesus had a moment where he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's about to be crucified, and he is struggling with that. And the Bible says an angel came down and strengthened him. He had an experience with his Father God that gave him strength. 
That's what happens when you have faith experiences. It can lead to uh, the career that you've always wanted. It can lead to having encouragement and joy when everything is falling apart. It can lead to you being set free from an addiction. It can lead to you getting to a place where, where you know exactly what God wants you to do. It can cause you to have the future God wants you to have. And you know, and today in 2018, on 9918, you can have a faith experience. I don't know what you came in here thinking about today. I don't know what you came in here concerned about. But the God who did these things for these men is the God who will do this for you right now. He's the God who will set you free right now. He'll turn your relationship right now. He'll heal your body right now. He'll comfort you because you might need some comfort right now. You, you, you can walk out of here with joy and you came in here depressed right now. Because God, he said to you, if you'll just come close to me, I will come close to you. So the question is, how do we get to that place? How do I have a faith experience? How do I allow God to do something in my life about my situation? Let's look at Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. It reads, and ye shall seek me and find me. That is the key phrase. That's a faith experience. When you find him, he's showing up. Man, it's like I'm dealing with God face to face. Something's happening. And so he tells me, man, if I just seek him, I will find him. Sounds real similar to if I'll come close to him, he'll come close to me, right? But notice that's not the end of the scripture. Seeking him, just in and of itself, just kind of saying, all right, I want it, God. That's really not enough. He gives us a little bit more information about the type of seeking that he's referring to. He says, and you shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. So this isn't just a cursory looking for something. This is, he's talking about me seeking him, searching for him, wanting him. You know, most of us have had this experience. Uh, if you haven't, you're blessed. You ever lose like $1,000 in your house? Or how, how about this, just your phone? <laughs> Forget $1,000. Your phone might be $1,000 nowadays, but you ever lose your phone? Isn't it amazing how no matter what else you had planned, no matter who's trying to talk to you, no matter how you feel, no matter whether you're dressed or not, everything stops. All your attention all your commitment is after that. Is, is about getting that phone. I, I'm, I'm looking everywhere for that phone. I am searching for this phone. I'm not going to do anything until I find this phone because this phone is my life. You know it is. Tell the truth. You know, sometimes when we have, you know, medical issues, we, we, we jump on Google, right? I got to figure out what this is. I don't think this doctor know what they're talking about. I'm going to do it my, I'm going to be Dr. Me. I'm finding myself. That gets us in trouble sometimes. Right? You're Googling this, you're searching this, searching that. You know, you, you, you take this time and you put all of your attention 
and to getting this information because it's valuable to you. And God is saying to us that when we put that type of attention on him, when we decide to shut everything else out and say, God, I want you. Y'all not hearing me today. Come on, you know, uh, women, this is what they want out of a man, right? When, when, if you're dating and you meet a guy, you, you might be gorgeous and all of that, but you want him to eventually move beyond just wanting you because of how you look. You want him to want you because of you. Can I get an amen, ladies? You know, that was a problem I had with Tiffany. All she wanted was this body. No, I'm just kidding. No. Quite the opposite, quite. <laughs> right? That's how God feels, though. God doesn't want you just after him for what he can give you. He created you so you could hang with him. You hear what I just said? He created you so you could hang with him. That's why he said, come close to me. And he doesn't want you faking it. He's not interested in you faking it. He wants you to faith it. He wants you to do something, come close to him because you believe in him and you love him. There's a scripture in Matthew 15 where Jesus said, he said, man, you guys are praising me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. So, man, you're saying the right words, you're singing the right songs, but I'm not looking at what you're saying. I'm not paying attention to what your arms are doing. I'm paying attention to your heart. So he said, because of that, your, your worship is in vain. You're just wasting your time. See, God wants your heart. He doesn't just want your church attendance. He didn't want you happen to read a scripture every day. He doesn't want you just happen to spend a little time in prayer. He doesn't even want you happen to having done something for him if he doesn't have your heart. And the way God works is when, he, when you draw close to him with your heart, when you draw close to him for real, then God sees that and God draws close to you and the supernatural happens in your life. I love what Hosea says about this in verse 6 of chapter 6. One, the message translation says this, I'm after love that lasts, not more religion. I want you to know God. Somebody say, know God. Not go to more prayer meetings. Nothing wrong with prayer meetings. Nothing wrong with reading your Bible, praying, going to church, trying to be a good person. All that is great, but that all is second to actually giving him your heart. That's all, all of that second to actually giving God all of your heart. He gave you everything. He sent his only son to come into this planet to put on a body like us, to let his own creation crucify him. He was dragged into hell for three days and three nights so you wouldn't have to be. And thank God he rose again. Thank God that we have a chance to have life, but God committed it all. He gave his best, and he wants your best. He wants it all. He's not interested in you half-stepping your walk with him. He's not interested in you halfway seeking God. You making a little time for him just to kind of make him happy while, before you get back to your real life. His word says, love me with all your heart, 
all your soul and all your might. His word says, trust me with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. He says here, search for me with all your heart. You want God to show up in your life? It's not going to happen when you're not truly living for him. It's not going to happen while you're playing church. It's going to happen when you truly say, God, I'm giving you everything that I have. And every time I come to come in contact with your word, I'm going to do it with my heart. And every time I come to pray, I'm praying from my heart. And every time I praise you, I'm going to praise you with my whole heart. Every time I come to church, I'm opening my heart to get everything that you want me to have. And if you want to engage your heart, every time you come in contact with God, God will show up big in your life. He'll speak to you and tell you what you need to know. He'll bring you joy when you need joy. He'll set you free from that sickness or that problem in your life. He'll give you the fuel you'll need to live the the future that he has for you. But for you to have that, you've got to give him your heart. You've got to give him all of you. All of you. We're going to